Uh, yeah, Shane, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, grateful to be here today. Grateful to be sober. Happy birthday, everyone who took a birthday today. Um, Sabash, I love you. Uh, one of my best friends. And then your main speaker tonight is Q. Thank you for asking me to speak. First, he asked me to support him and come to dinner, and I was all about that. Then he called me at 1020 uh, at night, pick up the phone because I do that today. And he found out he, had, he needed a 10-minute speaker. So, so here I am. Uh, sobriety is April 13, 2015. It's not my first sobriety date. My second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. Um, uh, I'm the run-of-the-mill drunk. You know, I, I can't get sober uh, on my own will with my own strength. And uh, yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is um, by far the most important thing in my life today. And uh, I know for a fact that I will drink again. I will shoot dope again. And I will do every other thing on this earth uh, the moment I stop doing AA. Uh, I can say that today because, like I said, I've had many sobriety dates. This is the first one that's ever really stuck because I can believe to my innermost self that I believe that I'm an alcoholic. And um, as a kid, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And, and uh, just to touch on a little bit, you know, first time I ever felt the void. Um, I was, I used to get night terrors as a kid and, and I, would, I would wake up and go sleep on my mother's bed and father's bed. And I did this way past the age I probably should have. I did it to a point and, and then something happened where my dad would go and, and take a shower every morning and my mom would call a guy. And every time, every time she held the phone, she would say, I love you. And I never really put two or two together until finally I couldn't take it anymore. It was Christmas day, uh, one year and I finally came out. I started crying. My mom Shane, what's wrong? What's wrong? I got you everything you asked for. And uh, I'll just never forget that moment, that void. I just, I was empty. And I told her, who are you talking to? And, and um, she told me, she said the guy's name. And she's with that guy today. He's my stepfather. And he's been uh, ever since, you know, my parents got divorced. And uh, a couple of weeks later, they called me and my other three siblings down and said they were getting a divorce. And it was the day I felt my life shattered. And, um, you know, from that point on, I kind of felt rebellious. I started to act out in ways um, each of my siblings handled it in a different way. My brother kind of went towards, you know, the Lord and religious. My older sister went AWOL. She started getting in trouble. <clears throat> my younger sister wanted to take care of everybody. And I kind of went the same way as my older sister. That's just kind of a little bit where I started. And um, the first time I ever drank alcohol was Malibu rum and that white bottle with the sunset moon and the sailboat. And uh, yeah, I never drank it after that day. <laughs> I, I remember it and you know, I drank it and my cousin drank it. And this is how I know we're different is I proceeded to run back and forth in my kitchen, shaking my head while everything tried to catch up. And he was sitting on the toilet doing that and throwing up at the same time. And um, he became a sergeant He's been the police officer and, and uh, did not call it. So we kind of alcohol, alcohol, you know, worked this way in my life different than it did for him. And, I chased that feeling, you guys. Um, I love the effects produced by alcohol and and everything and other things, and that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, I liked other things more than others. Alcohol was always always a part of my story, but it wasn't what um, took me down. You know, it wasn't what brought me to my knees. And um, but I got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and that's where I found my God. And and um, I, I ran. I ran for a long time in uh, in and out of jails, institutions um from 17 until about 28 um i like i don't like to get set up but for some reason the cops like to set me up people like to set me up and, uh, 
happened on multiple occasions. And uh, one, one more time before I came in here, I'd gotten set up by the cops and, uh, by one of my, my friends, my friends, and um, he let me call my dad in the middle of a 7-Eleven parking lot. And uh, he says, Mr. Justice, we have your son here. I just left my dad. He was DJing a um, St. Patrick's Day party. He thought I was going home. And uh, he's like, yeah, no, he's not under the influence. And my dad's, um, he talked to him, I talked to him. I was like, hey, dad. And he goes, son, I just remember the voice. You should have went home. I was like, ah, oh. you know, it was just, <clears throat> it was deep. And it cut me. And uh, took me to the police station, found all my stuff, took me to jail. And I got out. I'd love to say I stayed sober after that time, but I didn't. I still had money in my bank account, and um, I kept going. And he put me in, he put me to, uh, in my aunt's house. I lived with her for a while, so I started to take everything from them and just do what alcoholics do and destroy every, everyone's lives around us. So that's my experience. That's what I do when I go out there. I'm not a functioning alcoholic. And uh, my dad uh, was the last person to give up on me. At this point, my mom was calling me every day. If I picked up the phone, she would hang up and I realized what she was doing. She would leave me a voicemail if I didn't pick up. She just want to say, I love you. Come to find out after making amends with her. That was her way of being at peace. You know, just kind of saying if, if they called me and said my son was dead one day that I got to tell my love one more time. That's the lady that birthed me. You know, she brought me into this world and that's the kind of pain I caused those people. And, um, you know, um, yeah, my dad said, hey, you're going to uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. And I said, I don't care what you do, strap me to the plane. Like, I didn't care. I wanted to die. And um, they took me there. And I remember going through this um, this this group. And I talk about it because it was like this group, this guy, this psych psychologist guy did this big group where you sat here. You guys sat there and we pictured like a casket up here and all the kids, people were coming up and you'd be going up to your own funeral and you'd see your parents up here and your family and everyone was crying. And I wasn't crying. I was numb and I know what it was like to feel. And I felt like I was different than everybody else. And long story short, I came out here to California. It's a last ditch effort. One of my buddies said, Hey, you do meetings on the beach, you go pet horses, you do meditation and do this. And that. I thought it was really cool. I was on probation. I was facing charges from the time I got set up. I came out here, uh, got in a house with a bunch of, bunch of men, went to nothing but men's tag meetings for the first 90 days. Um, it's about all I do anyway, right now. And um, we're over six and a half years sober. That's kind of where my core is. And I wound up getting a sponsor, you guys. And the guy asked me, are you willing to go to any lengths to stay sober? And I said, yes. He said, okay, well, remember this day because the moment you're not willing to go any lengths, we're going to bring up this conversation. And to this day, I've been willing to do anything the guy says. And um, I went on a big journey since then. About a year or nine months in, I got a, I got a call that I uh, had an all-state warrant out for my arrest. Some things went, got cross-wired to probation. And I had to go home. Um, they said, you need to come back to New Jersey. My sponsor got me a lawyer who got contact with a lawyer in New Jersey. He said, okay, you have community service, you have fines. So I went and did community service at Doheny Beach. I never did any wreckage here, but I was sweeping your, you know, this, the dirt off the sidewalks. And I was doing things like that. And I was showing up. I called and said, okay, I got six hours sign. He said, okay, go back tomorrow. I got six hours sign. I go back tomorrow. And I did all that. And then uh, I went home that, I went home at a year sober to the day. And the judge had remembered me from went back at six months and I walked up, they called me up there and then probation came over and they, put, they handcuffed me. I thought I was going to jail sober. And uh, the lawyer looked at me and said, this man has no business being here today. And he goes, has he done everything he did? I said, yeah. He goes, if he tests, if he tests negative and it's urine test, he's discharged off probation if free to go back to California. And like, I got complete chills. 
they hand, he said, take the handcuffs, they handcuffed me. I went, tested negative, a discharge, and all probation. And I talk about this moment because this was the first spiritual experience I ever had, and it was monumental in my life. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and the men in this program were like, hey, we're going to be here for you if you don't come back, and we're going to be here for you if you do. And I got off John Wayne Airport, and two guys from AA, when the sliding glass doors opened, were there for me. And they took my bags and nearly broke down. And uh, I was all in from that point on. You know, I didn't say I wasn't all in from that before that, but I was kind of weary. I was just doing the action. And, um, you know, the life I have as a result, as a result of AAs is better than I could have ever imagined. And, um, you know, the amends I got to make to my family and, and the life that I live is, is uh, <clears throat> far beyond, you know, anything. I mean, I, I met with, we had a great dinner with a bunch of these guys here. I'm so full. I can't believe I'm standing here. And... Um, <laughs> Me, Q, and Savash met at a park in Irvine where I'm currently living right now. And we talked about the quality problems we have in our lives. And I say quality problems because that's what we have to remember. And for some of us, they're real deep problems. And we've all had, a, you know, some really uh, highs and lows these, these past two years. And I got married in July and Savash and Q flew out there. They were best men, uh, you know, groomsmen at my wedding. It was just, uh, it's magical to have the, uh, the relationships in my life and to touch on that with this last 30 seconds I have is, is uh, my father used to always say, you are the friend you hang out with. And I used to get so mad at him for it because the kids that I was hanging out with were shit bags. They were terrible, terrible, dirty, low life, lonely, angry people, but they were my people. And uh, I hold by that today. And I would do anything for any one of my friends today. And, um, you know, this is my first time doing one of these. I used to do this often. And, I'm so grateful to see how AA has come together through this pandemic and how we're able to keep the Zoom going. It's just another example of how powerful we are when we're together. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing. They say, you know, a, a story should carry depth and weight, and that's what she's going to give you. Thank you, guys.